Hey, MEAC fans, it's time to step into a championship. The 2023 MEAC Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament tips off March 8th through the 11th at the Scope Arena in Norfolk, Virginia. Join all the Me action with competitive basketball games, fun theme nights, and fan fests, official after parties, and comedy shows. Tickets are on sale via Ticketmaster, and you can log on to MEACHoops.com for more info. The 2023 MEAC Basketball Tournament. Who will be crowned champion? Welcome to the Fantrax Toolshed, a podcast covering all aspects of fantasy baseball to help you win all of your fantasy leagues. From dynasty to prospects to redraft, we got you covered. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Cross and Chris Clay. All right, fantasy baseball fanatics around the world, welcome to the Toolshed. This is episode 156 of the Fantrax Toolshed with Clayton Cross, powered by Fantrax and FantraxHQ.com. I'm your host, Eric Cross. Happy Halloween to everyone out there listening when this drops on Monday. We have a fun episode today, taking an early look at 2023 ADP, a very early look at 2023 ADP. And with me to do so is my 80 great co-host, Mr. Chris Clay. Chris, how you doing, man? I'm good. I'm pumped because in just two days, we'll be in Arizona, which is exciting. Getting all the live looks at the AFL, hanging out with all all the people at first pitch. Super exciting time, and I always look forward to this. So can't wait to be there, man. I can't wait. I'm so excited. Me too, man. Me too. Yeah, both flying out early Wednesday, getting out the, the uh, Phoenix area mid-morning or so. We got yeah several games we're gonna get get to. We each, we're in a draft together on Saturday afternoon, which is a loaded draft. We've got Sporer, Justin Mason, both of the Mendelssohn brothers from Triple Play, Marty. It's a really fun draft there too. But a lot of great panelists. Chris has a panel on what Friday night, night. and then mine yep. is Saturday nights. A lot of fun. Looking forward to getting out there, watching some baseball, talking baseball, and just seeing all of our our industry friends there. So. Again, I know it's kind of late for this year, but just recommend doing this. I know it's you know you got travel time and money and all that all that cost, but if you can, it's a absolute blast of a of a time. Just if you love baseball and fantasy baseball, highly recommend going to check out First Pitch Arizona. All right, we have a lot of fun talk today. 80, like I said, twenty twenty three ADP is out again very early. It's you know like nine ten drafts we're talking here, but that's enough to get a rough idea of kind of where certain players are going to be. We're going to be focusing on a lot of, you know, polarizing players. We're not going to do super deep because that will save that for our, you know, positional previews, but just where some fun young players are, are winding up, some second half breakouts some polarizing guys, just get, hit the, the real fun players here, see where they're, you know, where they're going in early drafts. But before we do the usual housekeeping, you can find us on Twitter. Chris is at Roto Clegg. I'm at Eric Cross 04 and our show's at Fantrax Toolshed. If you enjoy this podcast, please rate and review. Check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash Fantrax Toolshed for extra content from both Chris and I and our YouTube channel for plenty of videos throughout the offseason and into 2023. And, of course, check out all the other great stuff that Fantrax and Fantrax HQ have to offer. 2023 baseball leagues are already open, and we have plenty of great content on HQ for whatever fantasy sports you're into. All right, Chris, let's hop right into it here. Let's just start with an early look at the top 30 or so. You know, 
couple surprises, but nothing that really surprised me, though. It's pretty pretty chalk for the most part. But here are the, how the top 30 ADP shakes out. You get Trey Turner, Julio Rodriguez at number two. I wasn't sure where he'd fall. Him and Acuna are battling it out for that second spot. Acuna's at three. Jose Ramirez, four. Aaron Judge, five. Shohei Otani, six. And again, this is weekly leagues, not daily leagues. Kyle Tucker, seven. Witt Jr., Soto, and Betts are out the top 10. 11 through 20, Jordan Alvarez, Bryce Harper, who is utility only to start next year on an NFBC and anything you need 20 games. At. I think he played only at utility. Did he play any outfield at all? He did before he got hurt, but not enough was it, to qualify. Yeah, it wasn't much. So I guess it depends on what your thresholds are for games played eligibility, but he's 12 and then the rest of the top 20. Corbin Burns, Garrett Cole, first two pitchers battling it out very close in ADP. Vlad Jr., Bo Bichette, Manny Machado, Freddie Freeman, Rafael Devers, and Sandy Alcantara. 21 through 30, Austin Riley, Pete Alonzo, Dylan Cease, Mike Trout, Brendan Woodruff, Shane McClanahan, Michael Harris, Paul Goldschmidt, Luis Robert, and Jacob DeGrom. Chris, is your general thoughts, anything surprised you there? Honestly, uh, maybe I shouldn't be surprised, but Dylan Cease, as high as he is, yeah. is a bit of a shock. Going an average pick of 24 six. Michael Harris at 30. We kind of knew this would happen, honestly. 30, I mean, 27th player, 38 average ADP. I'm surprised that Luis Roberts still is high. Yeah, me too. He's he snuck in at the back end, 29th player, ADP of 31. I figured he would take a little bit bigger hit, but people still banking on that upside. He's he's at a min pick of 19, a max of 45. So some interesting players. Trout's going as low as 74. Like I, know. I was just looking at the, his, his min max range, 15 to 74. That's pretty pretty large for a player getting taken that early on average. I know. That's just imagine getting him at 74. I would be I would ecstatic. be doing a happy dance. I don't know what draft he fell. So there's only been nine of them so far that we're looking at, but yeah, getting him at even like 54, I'd be doing a happy dance. Yeah. 74 I'm running across my room like this is that's just phenomenal. Like it, the next lowest min a max pick in the top thirty is, I think forty eight for Michael Harris. Like everybody, everybody else yeah. has a max pick of in the top fifty still. I mean, who cares if he didn't play every day? He still hit forty home runs, like two eighty three average. Like the dude was a, a superstar still when he was on the field. Like right. eighty RBI and like the dude did it all. I. I'll draft him. Like if he goes outside the second round, I'm gonna draft him. Like it's just oh for sure, it's just crazy. I'm, I might not in the first two rounds. We'll see. I guess we'll see how the board falls. But yeah, third round, fourth round, and beyond. Man, 74 and a 15 teamer. That's back end of the fifth. 12 teamer. That's beginning of the seventh. So that is insane value. You know, a couple of things that stood out to me outside outside of that. Yeah, Dylan C. So we'll go. Let's go, let's go back to him for a second here. So we we put him on the list anyway. So Dylan Cease is the well. If you don't count Otani, uh, just for pit actual normal pitchers, you know, mere mortal pitchers, I'll say he's the fourth one off the board. So it goes Burns, Cole, Sandy, Cease, and then Woody McClanahan right behind him. I, I don't like that. I like Dylan Cease. Obviously, like I said, uh, I put out a tweet, or I think I was going to put out a tweet, maybe I didn't actually send, hit send on it. But is Dylan Cease an ace? Yes. Is he probably top 10? Sure. But I have him a little bit lower. I have him back in. I think he's like my number nine starting pitcher for next year. People make it a lot to do about kind of McClanahan struggle down the stretch, and he did. You know, he definitely wasn't as good. But Dylan Cease had some similar 
you know issues down the stretch. Like his uh, all of his ERA indicators were like high threes. The second half of the season, his walk rate went back up. His K rate was down on like the around league average, which is very weird for Dylan Cease. Uh, so I'm not like overly worried about it, but number four SP that just seems like a lot higher than I thought he would be. Yeah, I'm a little bit confused why, but I think that like you mentioned, a back end ace, but not not four. Yeah, like I'm, I'm pulling up my 2023 rankings right now. I'm pretty sure I have them nine. Let's see. Yeah, I have them nine. So my top ten pitchers are Burns, McClanahan, Sandy, Cole. DeGrom, Woody, Scherzer, Verlander, then him. I think he's closer to like that 8 to 12 range than he is to the top three. I just don't know. Yeah, it's fun to watch him, obviously, because he's filthy, but there's a little bit of luck that played into it last year. Like I said, a lot of the expected metrics were a bit higher. So I guess I'm not not saying he's going to fall down to be like an SP2 or anything, but SP4 is just really high. But I'd, I'd much rather have McClanahan. When McClanahan was on, he was better. Then Cease, I'd much rather have, you know, someone like a Woodruff who's just super consistent. You know, maybe doesn't have quite the high end that Cease can get to, but it's not close. He's a much higher floor. I'd almost rather have, you know, guys like I said, Verlander and even the old guys and Scherzer. I know I'm a little bit higher on Scherzer than most, but I don't know. Cease that high is just, that's just way too high for me. Yeah. And one other observation I think if you're going to have to draft a third baseman, in yeah. the first two rounds, or you're just <laughs> or playing wait. chicken, hoping to get Arenado, Bregman, or Gunner later. Like after that, it's just hot garbage. Oh, I mean, dude, it's so bad. Yeah, I mean, you have Ramirez at an average pick of three, Wit going around an average pick of nine, Machado fifteen, Devers twenty, Riley twenty three. And you have Arenado going at an average pick of, of forty eight, and Bregman going. Bregman looks attractive at, at ninety two, but like that's the. And then you have Gunner, but that's like the last of it. So if you if you're playing chicken, hoping that they because their men picks are also pretty high. Gunner's men picks 59, Bregman's men pick is 48, and Arenado's is 30. So if the board just doesn't fall your way, like you can just get stuck with a terrible third baseman. And I feel like I'm just gonna make sure I get one of the top guys in every draft because just looking at a third base board, it's horrific. Dude, it gets that's what I mentioned in my my Patreon post. You know, I was doing my, my tiers. And yeah, after you know, I, I my ranks pretty much go in order of ADP. They match up pretty well. I have Joe Ram, Witt, Machado, Devers, Riley, Arenado, Bregman, and Gunner. And then after that, it's like a massive drop. You know, there there are some intriguing names like, you know, like a Jose Miranda or maybe Cabrera. Okay, it's not as funny as I thought that was actually. No, uh, I mean, you know, some people are, are Mondesi people. I, I know, but it's just. There's a lot of question marks. Like Miranda's good. I think that he's actually maybe one of the safer names in this range, to be honest with you. Hayes has had his you know in, injury issues and performance issues. Mondesi, I don't need to say anything about that. Suarez, we know what Suarez is. Very risky, but very he'll hit home runs in bunches. Bohm is or man, Josh Young is intriguing. Muncy, can he bounce back? Morrell, he was which Morrell are we getting? Turner's old. Rendon's always hurt. DJ's always hurt. And you're down like the Josh Rojas territory. So, yeah, it's, it gets very murky pretty quickly. Yeah. So it's, and you don't want any of those guys as your third baseman. You want those no. guys at worst in your corner or UT spot. And honestly, that that's stretching it for some of these guys. I mean, Bohm's going 15th off the board at third base, which is, I mean, I like Bohm, but he's not like a, he's not somebody I want as my starter at third base. So it's, no, uh, it's ugly no. quick. And I, and I think for the most part, P- 
people will be filling their corner infield spot with first base because you'll get some of the names in like the you know eleven to twenty range at first base. And you probably get like a, a Christian Walker, CJ Crone, Ty France, Reese Hoskins, Josh Bell, Mountcastle. Like all those names are you know I are more attractive to me as a corner infielder than the names in similar range for third baseman. So I think I'd say in probably three quarters of my leagues, I'll probably be filling that corner infield spot with a first baseman, depending on how the board falls. But even like I have Jake Cronenworth as my 20th first baseman. And I like him better than probably Alec Bohm, who I have as my 13th first base or third baseman. So yeah, what do I have Bohm? Is Bohm not eligible at first base anymore? Oh no, he's not. Okay. Uh, But yeah, it's just, it gets so falls off so quickly, but everyone else is probably going to have the same thought as this though, Chris, like right. everyone's going to be trying to get that third base. And like you mentioned, if you get one of those drafts where, you know, they're hitting closer to that min pick and they get pushed up a round or two, because everyone's scared. You know, how early do you want to pull the trigger? Like, do you want to take a Bregman at what was his like pick 50, whatever, 50, 48, 48. I don't want Bregman at 48. Like yeah. it's, it's, it's going to be a, yeah, it's going to be a game of chicken. Like you mentioned, it will be very interesting to see how third base falls. That's definitely the most top heavy, position this year like by a mo- even catcher is not too bad and like the 10 to 15 10 to 18 range so yeah third base is going to be our second base actually second base gets kind of murky quick as well kind of similarly to third base but. <laughs> i feel like all the hitting positions do it's it's bizarre this well, year except for just- except for shortstop though like shortstop is it's always loaded but for instance i have jeremy pina as my 19th shortstop Jeez. I have Gunner as my 18th shortstop. Yeah. And he was my eighth third baseman. That just puts it in perspective because after like up ahead of Gunner is Ahmed Rosario, uh, Wander Franco, Carlos Correa, O'Neill Cruz, Andres Jimenez, Tommy Edmond, Willie Adames. It's just like pretty loaded there. Uh, why, sure. why is Adames so low after another strong season? I know that the high average was down, but I mean, like Adames did everything you wanted him to do. And his, his ADP is like pretty much in line with it, what it was last year. That's funny. Yeah. He- I have him as my 11th shortstop where is he 18th among shortstops yeah what Correa's 19th Pena's 21 oh like it's crazy I so love. some of these eligibilities are a little outdated though because Semyon lost it so I don't have him ranked I think J- Jazz lost uh, it I, uh, I think right. Jazz lost it do I have Jazz ranked I do not yeah so Story Semyon and Jazz all lost eligibility but so that's still three so that's still, but Adami says 15th. So that's still pretty low. Like, I have my 11th yeah. ranked shortstop. I don't know yeah. why he's that low. I don't know. I mean, considering where O'Neill Cruz is going, like, O'Neill Cruz is the 11th, and you take out those guys, then he's, so he's really, what, the eighth shortstop off the board? Yeah. I have, I have Cruz 14th. I, I, yeah. He was hard on the rank. I don't know. Yeah, he I, could be eighth, but he could be like 23rd also. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I absolutely love looking at, like, Pena going at a pick 130, Correa at pick 120, Adamas at 106, Gunner, as you mentioned, at 103. Like, there's some attractive spots there. At, I think after Pena is where I don't love it as much. But what is Ahmed Rosario doing ahead of Jeremy Pena? Like, <laughs> that's crazy. Right. Eight picks ahead of him. I don't get that. But I know it's early. I know there's going to be a lot of fluctuation. But this is just interesting to look at. Like, there's a lot of value at shortstop right now. Maybe speed. He had 18 steals. I don't know. Yeah, Pena stole 11 and provided way more power. Yeah. I mean, Rosario was, you know, he was decent. He said over 280 each of the last two years, 11 home runs. Yeah. I guess, I don't know. 
a little bit of speed there. I don't know. Yeah. I guess maybe what people are going with, but I don't know. But yeah, it's just shortstop is just so incredibly deep. You can probably uh, try to attack third and second quicker than you attack short. Because if I if I end up with like Adames as my starter, I'm I have no issues with that really. Yeah. But would I like to get a lead option? Sure, but if, if it looks like I might need to attack other areas earlier to make sure I have a more well balanced team and don't get stuck with you know Alec Bohm as my starting third baseman or something like that or like right. A, or some, you know, Gleber Torres in my starting second baseman. I don't want to do that. So I'm going to have to attack those positions earlier than short. And hopefully I can still get a shortstop around pick 100 or so and get, you know, one of those guys. I'll be happy with that. Yeah, for sure. Speaking of shortstops, though, look at where Fernando Tatis Jr. is going. Pick 34.7 on average. Min pick of 24. Max pick of 55. He's the fifth shortstop off the board behind Turner, Witt, Bo. And Lindor, and for outfield, he's still eligible in outfield, right? I think. Yeah, I don't know. We'll go with it. Be. He's the 12th outfielder behind J. Rod, Acuna, Judge, Tucker, Soto, Betts, Jordan, Harper, Trout, Harris, and Luis Robert. How are you feeling about that? Pick 35, you know, fifth shortstop. How are you feeling about that? I'll take it all day, honestly. I, Me too. I think that people are sleeping. I think it's. It's the perfect time right now to buy Tatis. It's like he's kind of made enemies with a lot, like I don't say a lot of people, but like he's just like the not the beloved stud that he was, you know, a year ago after everything that's that's taken place. I'd buy him here in redraft. You buy him in Dynasty League if you can. Like his his cards are low. Like go get one of his Bowman autos. Like I know it's yeah. so expensive, but his cards are cheap. Like it's the perfect <laughs> time to buy Fernando Tatis Jr., in my opinion, because there's just a lot of value to be had. Like when you look at the upside, nobody going that low minus like an O'Neill Cruz like possesses the upside that he does. And so, right. I mean, he's going as low as 55 in a draft, like doggone, like that's crazy. If he's falling out of the second round, I'll be happy to take him. I mean, I took him late second round in our mock we did or late, like pick 28 ish when we did yeah. that mock with Jeff Erickson and, and Justin Mason a couple weeks ago. So I'm I'm absolutely if he's still sitting there after pick twenty five if I pick late in the second round he he will not get past my you know if I'm late and I get there late second early third he will not make it past me I guarantee you that you know he's only missing I think it's like twenty one games or something like that between twenty and twenty three games I forget what the number ended up at so, and he, we saw even in that amount of time last year he put up forty two home runs and twenty five steals so. I will definitely take that risk in the third round. Maybe not the you know early second, but late second, early third, absolutely. But yeah, Tatis, he kind of reminds me of like that spoiled. Now I'm, I'm not saying he's spoiled, but like the in high school, like the spoiled rich kid that's like really good at sports, and everyone yeah. puts up with him because he's really good at sports, like basketball or soccer, or football, whatever it may be, baseball. Then he's just getting into trouble, like you know, gets caught for drinking at a party, and you know, you know, punches a friend, you know, something like that. That's where Tatis is. He's at the point where people are like, all right. We know you're talented, but we're getting kind of tired of you. You, know, you got to like turn it around. That's kind of what, what I think of Tatis right now. But I'm hoping he can because a good Tatis is good for the game of baseball and obviously fun for fantasy purposes as well. So I'm hoping, hoping we see a nice bounce back from Tatis this year. A couple other hitting notes here. Vinny P, ADP of 94. I just put out a video on him on our, our YouTube channel. Check that out. A lot of fun videos over there. So go subscribe to that. So that's fit, but that's nearly 50 spots behind Matt Olsen. I would take, I, I think it's close, but I have Olsen behind Vinny P in my rankings, or at least it should be a lot closer than 47 picks on average. 
I think Vinny P's in for a, a beastly year, but what are your thoughts on that ADP for Vinny and how far he is behind Matt? It's interesting that tier of first baseman, like just the major drop off. Like it's funny that he Vinny P is one spot behind Olsen at first base, but literally 45 picks plus behind him. Right. It it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I I really like Vinny P, obviously, but I think it's a fair price given the, the home ballpark he's going to be playing in, the lineup. I just still don't think the Royals are going to be that good next year. So I think those things factor in. And while while across the board, like his numbers are really good, and we saw him even put up solid numbers with you know, ten home runs across two hundred ninety eight plate appearances. Like we know, there's more power than that. But does he get held back by Kansas City? And I think that that's really the question because that ballpark just doesn't play favorable for hitters. And I guess that's probably my biggest concern. Do you look at the expected? And I, I don't love using this by any means, but just for reference, like his expected home runs by park, no place had lower other than Boston. Boston had eight. He had as many as 19 in some other parks. So it's kind of crazy to, to look at. Oh, sorry, 21 in Cincinnati. I'm just nervous about the ballpark really holding him back. We'll see. Maybe I hope that I'm wrong. I really do love what Vinny P brings to the table as a whole. And I'm curious, I'm going to pull up. He actually did hit more home runs at home, six home I, runs at home, four on the road. But I was just, I was looking at that. I was just about to say that because I was looking, I had the same concern. I looked at his home road splits and that slash one, 318, 417, 551. Six home runs, seven doubles, and just 127 plate appearances. 19 walks to 10 Ks. It's Jeez. insane. Yeah, but silly. yeah, I just think I think everything's there. I think he could be, you know, a three, four, five guy, 300 average, 400 OBP, 500 slug. I know that was only accomplished by, I think, a handful of guys this past year, but I don't think it's out of the run possibility. He had a two. Was he? What did he hit this year? What was overall 295, 383, 450. I think with some reasonable power gains, you know, and a little bit more average, he's shown he could do that. I don't think three, four, five is out of the question. I think I'm I'm a little more bullish on the Royals lineup than most. I think it's going to be not great, but I think it could be like a mid pack offense to see if if Witt takes another step forward. Maybe some of these other young guys join them. I mean, we get a step forward out of like a Melendez or Prado. We'll see, but I think there's potential for it to be at least a middle of the pack lineup. So yeah, the, the stadium doesn't help, but I just think that. I don't think there should be a 50 pick gap. Like if you want to take Olsen ahead, I have no issue with that, but I, I think this gap is just bonkers. I think you could see a, a top 50, top 40 year from Vinny P if he gets the levels, I think. So I'm taking, if he's there, pick 94, I'm gobbling that up all damn day. Yeah. You know, he had three twenty eight in the second half, which is just nuts. <laughs> so good. I, yeah. I, he might be the guy I have the biggest like fantasy crush on right now. Like it's been, what Soto and Wit and and Tucker and I'm probably forgetting some names here. Kelnick, but... <clears throat> you, you you shush your <laughs> mouth over there. Yes, Kelnick, he was a he was a crush of mine. I've broken up with him, but I think Vinny is he's a guy I think I tweet about the most. Like if you went back and I wish there was a way you could, like look back and see like how many tweets you had on individual <laughs> players. I bet you he'd be leading the way for me over like the last six months to a year. Or so I've just been tweeting out so many Vinny P things. I don't know, but I yeah. If I don't think I'm going to be approaching first base that early because i'm like i'm gonna try to get other spots even though i think there's decent value i think i don't think any of these guys are going too high but if i can get either Vinny or even like a low i was going uh a little bit past pick 100 crone host hoskins abreu outside top 100 i'm okay with that i don't want to wait too long i have to settle for like a you know cronenworth for example but 
I can get in that kind of top 100-ish range, give or take, I'll be fine sitting there. If Vinny P's there, he has a max pick of 117. Absolutely. Give me that all damn day. But who's the next one here I wanted to bring up for hitters? Oh, Andrew Vaughn, speaking of this yeah. kind of young first base, that's who I was going to bring up next. He's way down, what was it, 154 on average, 14th first baseman off the board. And as for outfielders, that is 38th outfielder. I know, you know he didn't have a bad year, but it was kind of underwhelming. But I'm definitely hoping that getting some, you know, non La Russa blood in that clubhouse. I just don't think that was a good fit for all these the young hitters they got on this team. Get a young, you know, younger, you know, voice in there. I think these young guys are going to have, you know, hopefully they can also be healthy. That's a big thing for all of them. But I think they can all take a nice step forward this year. You know, good ballpark, good lineup. I think Vaughn could be a pretty solid value there around pick 155. Yeah. And I think the most underrated aspect is they're moving on from Jose Abreu and he's going to move to first base, like his natural yep. position. He's been out Finally. of position since he debuted, like <laughs> yep. playing second base and corner outfield just wasn't it. So that is an underrated aspect because he's going to be more comfortable. I I don't know. I think this is an excellent buy, honestly. yeah. If, if you miss on the top guys, like I'll get Andrew Vaughn in a lot of places. There's, he's going to hit for good average. I think the power ticks up. I know the home runs haven't been overwhelming, but I think there's easy 20-25 in the bat. And we just haven't seen that yet. And he, we've got to remember all the things going against him and working against him that can really cause him to be pushed over the edge this year. And I think that it could be a big year for Vaughn. Absolutely. I, th- I think he can easily be a top 100 player. Does, does he have a lead upside? No, but I think he can be a very good four-category guy that can get you, like I said, 275-plus average, 20-plus home runs, and you know maybe flirt with 80-plus runs in RBI. And maybe even more than that, like he, like he could flirt with 25, 30 home runs. I won't be, I won't be surprised by that either. So it definitely has a good value on Andrew Vaughn. So we'll see. He's probably a guy I'll get a lot of shares. Hopefully the ADP stays there and it doesn't creep up, but we'll see. Going over to the pitching side of things here. We already talked a little bit about Cease at the top. The next one here at SP, well, he was SP9. Now, now he's SP10. He went behind Aaron Nola. But Spencer Strider. I was really interested to see where he ended up. I saw a few early, like one of the first drafts, he went as high as like the SP4 or something like that. But how, how are you feeling about that Strider ADP? So 10th overall starting pitcher behind, well, actually, no, technically nine because Otani's up there. So he's still nine. So Otani's up there too. I think Otani pitcher only would probably go behind Strider. I don't know, but taking him out of it, he's behind Burns, Cole, Alcantara, Cease, Woody, McClanahan, DeGrom, and Nola. Yeah, so he's SP9, ADP of 37.3, right ahead of some more established guys like Julio Urias, Max Scherzer, Zach Wheeler, Verlander, for example, then a bunch of relievers as well. As the Atlanta guy, Chris, how you feeling with that ADP for Strider? you think it's good? I mean, it's probably fair based on what he did. I mean, just kind of insane that he was able to you know put up the strikeout numbers he did i mean the only pitcher to strike out 200 in history in less than 140 he did 131 and two-thirds the only other to do it in less than 150 is chris sale highest k per nine in history for starting pitcher and yes before you come and say he was a reliever his k per nine was actually higher as a starter this year so only pitcher in history to strike out 200 and allow less than 100 hits it's 
just really insane what he did. I think it's fair because if he throws, and there's no reason to expect that he can't throw 160 innings, he could strike out 240. And yeah, I mean, maybe there's some aggression that comes his way, but what does that look like? I think he still puts up like ace caliber ratios. And then when the strikeouts are there, the upside is a top pitcher in baseball, I think. I know the two-pitch stuff concerns people, but what if? What if he comes out with and, and uses his changeup more? His changeup is a pretty good pitch. It I'd is, argue his yeah. changeup is plus. He just doesn't use it that often. He used about 5% of the time. So what if he ups it to 12%? Like what happens? But at the same time, like he doesn't need it because his fastball is so good. Like few can get by with two pitches, but when you have the fastball, the strider does. And when you have the slider, the strider does, you can make it work. So yep. I think it's a fair price, and I think there's a lot of room for upside. And even if the ratios you know, tank a bit, like the Ks are still going to hold his value up a bit. So I, while it's high and inflated for somebody that is coming off a, you know, a rookie season, like it's still pretty impressive what he did, and I think it's fair. Yeah, so for pitchers with 130-plus innings, so it's Grom misses this threshold, his strikeout rate was first nearly 5% higher than second place, which was Carlos Rodon, 33.4. Shredder was 38.3. His K per K minus walk ratio, also first, as I get an ad here on, on Fangraphs, go away ad. There we go. <laughs> K minus walk rate was first by 3.2% above, hey, look, Shohei Otani, and then Max Scherzer. So absolutely, yeah, ridiculous. And yeah, like you mentioned, we don't, we kind of poo-poo these two pitch guys, but yeah, when your two pitches are this elite, you can get by. And we, we, we've talked about several times, the changeup is as potential. And there was no luck. Like, there was no him pitching above his metrics. ERA indicators were actually lower. Like, FIP was 183, XFIP 230, Sierra 241. Overall, ERA was 267. And obviously, even better as the year went on. Whip 099, batting average against 179. Everything you could want from from him. So yeah, I'm I'm okay with it. He's my where's he in my rankings here? Where did I put him? Oh yeah, he's my SP10. So I think the only one going lower than him that I have higher in my rankings is I think it must be Verlander and Scherzer. But yeah, I think he's fine in that at that second tier, which kind of goes from guys like you know Cease and Woody down to guys like Otani and Bieber and Gallon and stuff like that. So. Yeah, I'm totally fine with it. I think he's going to be fine. Do I trust him as my ace? Sure. I'd love him as my SP2, but I don't think that's going to happen <laughs> next year. But speaking of exciting arms, a little bit further down, Tyler Glasnow. Now, this is an ADP I, I can't get behind. I love Glasnow. I was always a Glasnow skeptic. Then he he made changes that I was hoping for, like you know the command and control improved, added the slider, which is you know very good pitch. And then he got injured again, but he's going in the top 80 overall as the SP 22. Like I said, like, does he have top 10 upside? Yes. Is he filthy and dominant? Yes. But you want to have, you know, either maybe your ace, if you wait or your number two starter, be a guy that's never once thrown 120 innings in a season. I mean, he could return, you know, positive ROI in this spot, but I think the chances of that are, pretty low so this kind of surprised me to see him going top 80 right now i think people are banking on what he's capable of doing and honestly those last several starts of the season just 
boosted him up. I was hoping he'd sit in the 125 range. Same. <laughs> but it's it's just moving up. And honestly, when it gets to spring and if he's pitching well, like it's just going to keep flying up because we know what he's capable of. But again, the durability is still a question mark. And you know, in that range, like why would I not take Zach Gallon? Honestly, like dude, he, Gallon's a he's a steal right now. Yeah. He's SP was it is it 21 or 22? Yeah, he's yeah, 70. Yeah, he's going a couple picks ahead of Glass now. But yeah, does Glass have higher upside? Sure. I think you can definitely that's that's an easy argument to make, but the floor difference between these two is it's night and day. Gallon is, is he's I don't know why he's going so low. I, I just don't get it. He's SP twenty two right now. I would take Gallon over Musgrove. I would take Gallon over Castillo, Manoa, Gaussman, Freed. I think he should be more in like the Bieber Rodone range, which is twenty picks higher around pick 50, then he should be down here with the you Darvishes and, and Joe Mesco. So we're good. No doubt about it. But yeah, I think gallons is super underrated. Min pick at 55 max of one Oh one. My word. If I can get gallon at one Oh one. That's another, I'm doing another happy dance in my living room here. Yeah. No joke. That's insane. It's, yeah. There's some, there's some good value with pitchers right now. It might be a year. Like we were, we were talking before we came on air. This might be a year to wait a little bit on pitchers to get your yep. first guy. Maybe you get him in the third round. So the second round, there's some really good values on pitchers this year, but two that unfortunately aren't good values. They're not bad values, but two guys that we talked about recently that I think a lot of us are hoping would go a bit lower than they were Hunter green and Nick Lodolo, both from the Cincinnati reds. Of course, Green is going around pick 115, SP32, and Lodolo around pick 132 as SP37. So that's you're be your SP3 or 4, depending if you're a 12 or, or 15 team league. And I was hoping to get some shares of these two, Chris. I think you were as well, especially Green. But go, you know, top 120 pick on Green and top 135 on Lodolo. It's not bad, but I was hoping to get them like another 20, 30 picks later than that. Yeah, same. And I just wonder how high they're going to go. Like, I yeah, feel they'll like get, they'll the, get pushed up. Yeah, that's my fear. I mean, we've we talked extensively about both of them, and I think that the upside's there for obviously a good return on investment. But the, I guess the question with me is how many innings do they throw? And hopefully they get a full starter's workload and the, the Reds just let them run with it. Ballpark concerns me a bit, but again, they they've proved they could pitch in that environment. So – I'm going to hold on the fact that I think that they're capable of doing it. And at the price I'm willing to buy in, we'll, we'll see. I, I'd like it to be a little lower, but I'm fine with it. Yeah, I think, I think I'm right there with you. I, I don't hate it. But I was just hoping it'd be a little bit lower so I can get a few more shares of each. Right. Super, I think, yeah, we, so we talked about both of these guys. You put out a great video over on our YouTube channel about Hunter Green. I think I, I wrote about both of them as guys that could take that leap to you know, ace levels in, in 2023. So, I think this is a, a pro green and a pro Lodolo podcast for sure. But yeah, I was hoping they'd be a little bit lower. Last name here before we hit the break is Lucas Giolito. Still going inside the top 150 as SP. Let's see if Lodolo is 37. That puts see, 38, 39, 41, 2, 3. Oh, I'm going to pass him. SP 41, pick 145 on average. That feels a bit high. I think we both agreed that Gilito can bounce back to a degree next year, but SP 41 is too high for me. And same thing with top 150. I'm not going that range. How about you? Oh, I love it. I'm, I'm going to draft a lot of it around 150. You are, you, you like that? Yeah. He finished the season strong. I mean, he, he did, he, he did everything you wanted to see after a 
horrific June, July, and August. I mean, couldn't have been any worse. And he was able to bounce back. I, I was encouraged by what he did in the last month of the season. He, he bounced back to a three four eight ERA, and the strikeouts were there again. Like you know, striking guys out at a, a higher clip than we saw, which is what we needed to see from him. And it's enough for me to say, like, I'll gladly buy in on that price. I'm gonna look and see if his velocity changed. Velocity was actually down in September, which is bizarre, but he made it work. And yep. Pitch percent like pitch mix and nothing really changed, which is bizarre. Like I just can't really figure out what went wrong with him other than just like throwing in the heart of the zone too much. Like that's really the the biggest thing. And he's got hit hard on that. But I'm willing to take a shot here. I think it's a a good spot to say, like, here's where I think he can bounce back. I mean, 150 is a looking at who's going around. There's a lot of solid arms around him too, which makes it tough because these other arms didn't fit pitch like he did this season. So I don't know. It's it's tough, but I, I will definitely get some shares of him at 150. I was trying to see where I have him in my rankings. I have him as SP 57. So I think he's just another one where I was hoping to get him. I do, like I said, I do think he can bounce back. I just, he was a guy that I was kind of backing early in the year when he was struggling. Like, all right, just hold on tight. He'll be fine. I kept backing him, kept backing him. He kept making me look bad. And then I was like, all right, I'm done. But I don't know. I just don't. And like you mentioned, the other names in that range, I like a lot more. Like Jesus Lazardo, give me him all day. Lance Lynn, give me him all day. Lance Lynn was very good to end the season for the last two months of the year. I don't think people realized it because the White Sox kind of fell out of contention. Chris Sale, maybe not. I don't know. I don't know Chris Sale. I don't know what I want to do with Chris Sale, but. Chris Bassett, I'll take Chris Bassett. I'll take Luis Garcia, maybe even Dustin May and McCullers and Pablo Lopez. Drew Rasmussen, Tony Gonsolin. There's so many good names in this range that I like a bit more. Maybe not Jack Flaherty anymore, but you know, if he was going another 25, 30 spots, like you know, 175 range, I would love that. I just can't personally do 145 range. I don't know. I, I just want to see him show me. It's like I, said, I was backing him and he just kept making me look bad and you got to wonder, like, even like the high end is a mid three. You know, he's never gotten, you know, outside of seven starts in 2017. His best has been like a mid three ERA and, you know, like a 30% K rate. So what's bouncing back? I think that's what we got to look at here is bouncing back, you know, high three ERA and a 26, 27% K rate. I don't know if that's worth the value. I don't know. I think this is the floor just scares me is what he did this year, but. We'll see. I, I, I'm not saying he can't do it. I, I definitely could see a path to him doing it. I just personally, I'm going to be looking at others in that range, but we'll see. All right, let's go ahead and take a quick break to get a word from our sponsor. We'll be right back. Support for Fantrax Toolshed is brought to you by Manscaped, who is best in men's below the waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels. And Manscaped recently launched the Ultimate Men's Hygiene Bundle, the Performance Package. Join over 5 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping using the code TOOLSHED. The Performance 4.0 package has arrived, and man, it is a game changer. Inside this package, you will find the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, the Weed Whacker ear, nose, and hair trimmer, the Crop Preserver ball deodorant, the Crop Reviver toner, the Performance Boxer briefs, and a travel bag to hold all your goodies. Lawnmower 4.0 is the trimmer of the future of grooming, and dare I say the greatest ball trimmer ever. 
The fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. Lawnmower 4.0 is waterproof and also has a 4000K LED spotlight that you need for your most precise shaves. Because the trimmer is waterproof, you can use it in the shower and say goodbye to the mess on the bathroom floor. The Weed Whacker is also waterproof, provides the same proprietary skin-safe technology, which helps reduce nicks, snags, and tugs in your delicate nose holes. The Crop Preserver Below the Waist Deodorant and the Crop Reviver Toner will change the way you approach your daily hygiene routine. And Manscaped will even throw in two free gifts for you in their Performance 4.0 package, the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. So bring your comfort and your boxers to another level. It's time to take care of yourself. Get some new tools for your shed. So go to manscaped.com and get 20% off plus free shipping using the code toolshed. That's right. Don't miss out on this exclusive offer. Get 20% off and free shipping using the code toolshed. All right. Welcome back from the break. Let's get into some prospect ADPs now. A lot of fun young players that are either going to debut next year or debuted late in 2022 and we'll have full-time gigs in 2023. So a lot of fun players to discuss that are going. These are all guys in the top 350 of current ADP. And how many we got? One, two, three, four, five. We got 10 names on the list here. Eight. Was it eight? Yeah, eight hitters and two pitchers. Let's start with the big two here. Corbin Carroll and Gunnar Henderson. Chris and I are both in a rookie-only draft. And actually, it's a league we're playing now. Just a best ball format that we'll be talking about on my panel at First Pitch Arizona, so I won't give away where these guys went, but it's no shock that Carroll and Henderson were the top two. I won't say in what order. You can find that out in a, in a week or so after we have the panel, but looking at ADP, Carroll is at 64 off the board overall, outfield 17, and Gunner 104, third base 8, shortstop 17. We kind of talked about him a little bit, but are you kind of surprised that there's a, about a 40-pick gap between Henderson and Carroll? I mean, I like Carroll a little bit more, but I was surprised to see a 40-pick gap between the two of them. Yeah, I mean, it's more than I thought. I think a lot of people are just banking on the fact that they're expecting a lot more speed out of Carroll. And I, a lot of people, like, it's interesting. People don't like this ADP that I've, I've seen, but I think people sleep on Carroll's power. Oh, you, can point, you can point to his major league metrics, and it's whatever. I mean... Sure, like there was some underwhelming, but it was a small sample in his debut. Like, come on. He had a 90th percentile exit velocity in the minors of 106.6 miles per hour. Like, that's like up like probably 80th percentile for major league. I don't have, you know, I, I've got all the data, but I don't know where percentile I'd rank. But like, that's legit power. I think there's plus power in the profile. He's shown the ability to hit the ball hard in the minors as well with a max of over 111. The contact skills are really good. The speed's really good. It's it's higher than I want to pay, but I think given what Carol's capable of, it's probably fair, but there's just – I think there's not a lot of wiggle room in the eight, current ADP. If he went like after like 75 or 80, then you're looking at some more profit margins, I think. Yep. Carroll can obviously return for second-round value, but looking at a – you know, true first-year player, like he's going to play his first full season. I don't know. It's interesting. You know, of the two, like, based on ADPs, I'd probably take Gunner, honestly. Yeah, if, if you're going at cost, I think I prefer Gunner there. It's, it, at the same price, I do like Carroll a little bit more. But I think people sometimes look into, like, Savant a bit too much. And, yeah, absolutely, Savant's great. I use it all the time. I know we all do. But you don't have to have a sexy Savant page to, you know, 
hit for power. Like, look at, you know, like Trey Turner. He doesn't have, like, off-the-charts power metrics. Same thing with, uh, like, Lindor for the longest time. Like, you don't need, you know, obviously it's great to have him, but, you know, I, I'm not looking too much into Carroll's metrics, at least for that regard. Like you mentioned he's shown power in the minor leagues, especially last year. You know, I think, you know, ISO, slug, like the, the power turned it up, and we all thought it could. And is he going to hit 40 home runs? No, but, you know, can he be a twenty, you know, mid to upper twenties home run guy long term? Sure. And even if we kind of scale that back, could he could he hit around twenty bombs next year, or even like upper teens to give you twenty five plus deals and a good average? Absolutely. So this is kind of where Bobby Wood Jr. was going last year, if I recall correctly, in that sixty to seventy range. So I don't, I don't hate it. Again, I just wish it was lower. I, I feel like that's a kind of a an ongoing trend of what I'm saying with a lot of these ADPs, but we'll see. You know. I, I'm not opposed to that. I guess I'll see how the board falls where I'm at. I don't want him as my first outfielder, though. I will say that. I'd rather see him as my number two outfielder. You know, get a guy like, I don't know, like a Jordan or, or Trout or someone that's, you know, more, I guess, you know, safe as in the word to use with Trout, but a more established guy, I should say, as my outfield one. And then get upside play on Carroll as my outfield two. I'm, I'm okay with doing that. But yeah, at cost, Gunner, I think Gunner is a fair value. Carroll a little on the higher end, but still kind of in the range of me accepting it. But yeah, I was surprised to see a 40 pick gap. I don't think there's a, that big of a gap in potential value between the two, but we'll see next. And there's a, a massive drop to the next uh, rookie on the board here. Next prospect on the board, I should say, and that's Christian Rodriguez at pick 219 on average, the 62nd outfielder off the board. I think we both kind of thought he'd be in that 200 to 250 range right in there. I'm okay with that. If I get Grayson as my SP like four or five, and especially if I have three, you know, three or four guys ahead of him that I feel confident in, and I'm okay taking a risk there, I I'm okay with an ADP, honestly, Chris. Yeah, I, th- I guess the interesting question is how many innings will he throw? Obviously, the injury set him back some, and that's my concern. But like, I feel like 120. It's even if he just hits 120, like that's he still should provide good value. You know what he's capable of. His arsenal's elite across the board. I think that there's ace upside here. And he did come back and pitch towards the end of the year. So I'm, I'm guessing that he should be pretty much full go. And who, what's to say he doesn't get more than 120? I don't, I don't know. I think he's capable of doing more than 120. So I guess the really the biggest concern with ADP is the workload. But at that price, it's like, it's not that big of a deal. Yeah, no, I'm I'm totally there with you. That, that, I think that's a fine ADP value here. The other pitcher on the list here, Hunter Brown, is going about 60 spots behind him, 279 on average, SP81 on the board here. So I think they're both solid values. Actually, I think I like Rodriguez's value a bit more because I have a lot of questions about how many innings Brown is the pitch next year. I like Brown. I think he's a good arm, but... I do wonder, you know, the walk rate's a bit higher. Maybe he has some ups and downs more than most rookie arms. And it's how many innings he's going to pitch that, especially if Verlander comes back. So I think Rodriguez, I'm fine going in on there because, like I, I wrote in my article, I used the third guy I included for American League trio of arms that could make it to ace upside this year. I wanted to go a little bold because the other two in the AL, I put Christian Javier and George Kirby, who aren't quite as bold. But I think if anybody were to have a Strider type of year next year, it's probably Rodriguez. I think he's definitely the highest likelihood of that happening. And I'm not saying it's going to happen because 
what Strider did this year was absolutely phenomenal and very rare. But if anybody could do it, any pitching prospect right now, it's going to be G-Rod. So. But Brown, that's a fine ADP if he gets, again, if he gets 120, 130, 140 innings in that range, I think that's fine. But I have questions if he even gets there. I want to see how they use him. And I guess they'll, they'll determine if Verlander comes back next year. But what are your thoughts on that Brown ADP, Chris? It's interesting. I mean, it's very enticing giving the talent that he has, but gosh, I'm nervous they're going to send him back to triple a, or he just be a swing man in the bullpen. Like obviously the talent is more than there. He's 24 years old. There's no reason that he shouldn't be a starter. The stuff is really, really good. And I'm wondering, like this feels like a lot like Christian Javier last year, where it's just like, yep. you just draft him and, and, Hope that it works out. Yeah, and cross it, your fingers, yeah. And what's to say, like, this rotation doesn't have injury issues? I mean, Verlander's going into, what, age 40 season next year? You've got McCullers who can never stay healthy. There's a lot of question marks in it. And is Jose or Keedy even in the rotation? Like, I don't know. He's been a long reliever recently. I think he they go be. Yeah. I, they go. Well, they probably go back to Luis Garcia in the rotation, but – I think there's a chance for Brown to get 120, 130 innings. I just want them to give the, all the innings to him, the Brown and Javier. I mean, like, Arquiti's fine, and Garcia is, is decent too. But I just want I want to see those innings there for Javier. I want Javier to get 175 plus innings. I want Brown to get like 150 plus. That would be great. But we'll see. I don't know if Verlander's coming. I don't know. I say, what do you think the chances are that Verlander comes back? Like, you think it's like above 50 percent he comes back to Houston? Yeah, I would say so. He's he's probably I don't know if he's already opted out of the player option. He probably is because it seems like he wants to play at least two more years. Like yeah. I, I think this is more like a multi year left for him than one more year. So maybe he gets a, a big deal, and maybe like, like the Yankees or the Dodgers give him like a, a super high AAV over two or three years, like thirty five forty mil. I could I could totally see that. But or even the Mets if they're going to lose the Grom, you know who knows? I think a lot of teams are getting on the Berlander. So. If he leaves, that makes things a little bit easier on all these guys. But I think Verlander is also comfortable in Houston, so I can see him coming back too. I guess we'll see how that plays out. But yeah, I, I want to see how that plays out before I start drafting Hunter Browns. I want, I want a little more comfortability that the innings will be there because the talent's there. Let's, let's see if the innings are there. A couple or a trio of hitters between those two in ADP are Josh Young at 226. 24th third baseman off the board, Tristan Casas, 234, 29th first baseman off the board, and Francisco Alvarez, 260 as the 18th catcher off the board. What are you thinking about those three ADPs? Any, anything that you like there, or are you kind of avoiding all three of those? Yeah, I just don't know that. I would assume the Mets run with Francisco Alvarez as the the regular guy, but you got to think so. Yeah, I, don't, I just don't trust it at the moment. Like, and that's the the biggest issue. And I've never been the highest on Alvarez. I've been lower than most on him. I think there are some holes in the swing. He got exposed a bit at AAA and didn't look good in the majors. And yeah, he's got big power, but why? I'd just much rather invest in if I'm going to go for a catcher down there. I'm investing in like Logan Ohapi, honestly, who I have a little bit more Logan. confidence in. Alvarez is not even 21 yet, so I'm just like. Yes, he can be a good player long term, but I'm not sure that it's in 2022 when he or 2023, excuse me, when he really breaks out. Yeah, where is Ohapi? Ohapi is 321 on average, right behind. So between Alvarez and Ohapi for catchers are Mitch Garver. No thanks, I'm done trying to bet on Mitch Garver again. Christian Vasquez, eh, 
blah. Jonah Heim, blah. Gabriel Moreno, maybe. But yeah, Logan O'Hoppe, I think, is a great value, actually. And we didn't even have him on the list here, but I think he's a solid value. He's 23rd catcher off the board. Then it drops off pretty hard to, you know, guys like Eric Hase and Gary Sanchez and Elias Diaz and those types. So I would love to get some Logan O'Hoppe shares. I think he's going to play. There's no reason why he shouldn't. And he's just continued to perform well everywhere he's gone. So, yeah, I think I might prefer. I, I did have Alvarez a couple spots higher in my rankings for next year, but I might prefer O'Hoppe, especially at 60 picks later. Oh, give me O'Hoppe all damn day. No, yeah. no doubt about that. Yeah, no, I agree. All right. As for Cassis and Josh Young, I think those are, are fair. I think they're both going to start. Jung at third for Texas, Cassis at first for Boston, assuming Bloom doesn't do something stupid and block Cassis. But I think those are both fair. I think there's some solid ROI opportunity there. I don't think they're going to be top 100 players next year, but top 150 players, sure. I think they, they've both proven they have the upside and the bat to do so. I just wonder how Cassis will play in you know with the right field at Fenway, being super deep after you get Pesky's bowl. But and he was kind of not the greatest, but he did heat up a little bit. And Josh Young, we'll see. He had some. I'm hoping he did because he's a guy I already have a couple shares of in terms of dynasty leagues and whatnot. But I don't know. Who do you who do you feel more confident in out of those two though, Chris? For ne- for next year solely for next year, who would you rather have at those ADPs, Young or Cassis? Probably Young, just because I trust his ability to hit a little more. Yeah, I mean we know that Cassis has big power and and more power. Than, than Young. I think Young still has a 25 home run bat and the ability to hit for good average. So I'd lean that way just because I think that Texas is only going to get better. I think they're going to really go after some names to try to bulk up that lineup that, that already is solid. I mean, we saw Nate Lowe break out. Sorry, Nathaniel Lowe. Don't call him Nate. I know. <laughs> Nathaniel, don't call me Nate. And then you've got Seeger and you've got Simeon. Adolis Garcia, like this is a, becoming a more attractive lineup. And so it is, yeah. I, not that the Red Sox lineup isn't good, but I, I'm just saying from that standpoint of like, I think a lot of people think that Texas just isn't good, but I think Texas is going to be solid next year. Honestly, if they get some arms and, and the lineup will be pretty good. And I think young will be a big contributor to that. So I, I'd go that way. I think at this current point in time, I don't think there's a big gap between te- the Texas lineup and the Boston lineup. I would take Boston's lineup, but I don't think it's a huge gap. Obviously, you have to see how the offseason plays out. But yeah, right now, I think Boston is a, around 10-ish for offenses, top 10. And I think Texas is only a few steps below that. I think the Texas is, could be a top half offense. So yeah, I think it's definitely a lucrative place to play. Obviously, get, get the warmer weather down there. Balls fly out of that park. So yeah, I'm, I think I would prefer Jung as well. I think Cassis will have his... Hot, hot stretches where he's just beastly, but I think Young will be just more consistent. I think, yeah, I trust the hit tool more, the consistency more with Josh Young. So I would go Young as well, and probably even long term as well. I think they're both pretty good, but I, I give this give the sled edge everywhere next year, long term to Josh Young. Last three rookies we have on the list to talk about today, all post 380p. Matt Mervis, 324. 37th, first baseman off the board. Ezekiel Tovar, 326, 44th, shortstop off the board. And Miguel Vargas, 341, as the 37th, third baseman off the board. 
any of those three stand out to you more than the rest? I think for me, it's Mervis. Yeah, I think the biggest question is playing time for all of them. And we don't, we can assume that Mervis is going to be the Cubs' first baseman, but there's no guarantee there. Right. And we can assume that that Tovar will be the Rocky shortstop, but Rockies are going to Rocky. Vargas, just where does he play? And yeah, I don't know. He's the one I had the biggest question mark about. I, I think in terms of percent chance of them being the starter. On opening day, I think Murphys has the highest chance than Tovar, than Vargas. Obviously, in terms of where Justin Turner is, and yeah, it's just so crowded in, in that Dodgers lineup. Yeah, because if I'm not mistaken, Turner is a free agent. I believe so. Yeah. Who who knows? Like the, the Dodgers bring it back, and that's they, that's they love possible. Turner there. They love. They Turner do. There. They definitely do. So, and, and for good reason. He's been a very solid player for them for a long time. Like how, how long has he been there? He went there in. 2014, yeah, he's pushing a decade of tenure there, so a pretty good number. So, yeah, it's it's weird to think about. Like, I don't think of Justin Turner in any other uniform, honestly. So, I don't even remember him being with Baltimore. That's where he started his career. I don't even remember that at all. Granted, it was only it was only 22 plate appearances. That's probably why I don't remember. (laughs) Probably, but yeah, he came up with Baltimore, and he's obviously with the Mets for a few years, and wasn't really that good, and then went up to the Dodgers and. First year of the Dodgers, he hit 340. Yeah, I remember that season. Then a little bit of power since then, but career for the Dodgers, the 296 hitter. So, yeah, he's done, he's done pretty well there. But, yeah, he is a free agent next year. There's a team option. I got to look in the, the details of that to see like, what it would – they'll probably pick it up if it's not too much. But if they pick it up, yeah, where does Vargas play? Yeah, he's played a little bit of first, a little bit of outfield as well. But it's not like those spots are wide open either. You got Freddie Freeman, and you got a lot of good outfielders there. So, yeah, it's very log jam, but Mervis, I love Mervis, man. He was, that's the one thing I will say. I was tr- hoping to get him in our rookie draft. I won't say who got him, but per, a very knowledgeable person sniped me on him in a particular round, but I was hoping to get Matt Mervis. I like him a lot. The dude is just absolutely killing baseball. He's, he's still matching out in the AFL. We talked with him last week. We talked about AFL guys. He was, I think he's tied for the league league in home runs with five, and he's played a lot less than Kirstad has out there. So I think he could be the next Cubs first baseman that breaks out. I think he's a better pure hitter than Schwindel, better than Menezes. I like him a lot more than those guys. So he's a guy that I hope the the ADP stays post 300. I'm, I'm worried about it moving up, especially if he mashes in spring training to start. But he's a guy that if I want it's like a bench upside guy, I would love to get Mervis in that pick range. Yeah, I, I think the talent's there. I think that everything's in line. He's just got to get the job. And yep. I don't foresee the Cubs going out and getting another first baseman. He should be the guy. But those are the risks you take at this this ADP range. It just is what it is. Like You won't sure bets, but sometimes you have to take some risk for it to pay off. And yep. there's no reason that picking him here shouldn't pay off, in my opinion. Right. I guess pick 324 on average, 37th first baseman off the board. I mean, you can take some risks there. I think he's a—he's not a guy that's like super risky in general either. I don't—I don't think he. Obviously, he's a rookie, but hasn't had any experience yet. But he's a guy that not a high risk factor in terms of comparative to other prospects, I should say. All right, a few more names before we get out of here. Some 2022 second half breakouts. A couple of outfielders here going very close in ADP, and I put out a poll. I want to see what the. Uh, I was pretty much split when I tweeted it out a handful of hours ago. It is Jake McCarthy and Stephen Kwan, two extremely different players. But let's see how that ADP, my Twitter's not loading, but it was about 50-50 here last time I checked. 
McCarthy is going off the board, pick 154 on average as he outfield 36. And Quan, five picks before that, 149 on average as a 34th outfielder off the board. And right now, McCarthy is 52% of the vote to Quan's 48% of the vote. So obviously, like I said, very different profiles. But I don't know. Who would you rather have? You know, if they're both going around pick 150, which I think is that's not bad. I thought McCarthy would be a lot higher than that, honestly. Who would you rather have around pick 150? I think I, I think I'm going McCarthy there. I'm, I'm going to go Quan just because okay. I, the safer bet, like the the outfield in Arizona is just crowded, only going to get more crowded. McCarthy does possess the better power speed combo, like no questions asked in my opinion. But there may be some concerns for me with his playing time and his platoon. Quan's going to hit that top of the lineup in Cleveland every day and – He's such a safe bet to hit. We even saw him steal bases, which it was probably the tipping point. The power is not not there at all, but we did see him really come around with the steals, which was encouraging. And this, you know, the new stolen base environment next year, he'll be fine. He's going to steal bases. The positive for McCarthy is even if he does platoon, he's on the strong side of it, right. which does help. But that outfield is going to be interesting. I mean, they've got a lot of mouths to feed, and like. You know, does Alec Thomas come back up? What are they what are they doing with him? Assume he starts in triple A, but you're gonna I mean Farsha's gonna be in center most likely. They're gonna have McCarthy, they're gonna have Carroll, they're gonna have a lot of mouths to feed out there, and I'm just not sure how it all shakes out. So that's my hesitancy. And McCarthy feels a bit of a trap, kind of like last year we saw with a Kill Badu and Miles Straw. Like obviously a bit more power than those guys. But there are some still some concerns with, with McCarthy, and and that's one hundred percent fair. I, I I echo those concerns. I just I just wonder how much more the upside is. Like the the high end, I think we we know what we're getting with Quan, and I think there's potential for a little more. But we know what we're getting with Quan, and it's a solid all around ball player, but doesn't really you know obviously high average, but power speed is you know on the lower end of, you know, he's still a power speed guy, so to speak, but you know what, what 10, 12 home runs, maybe 15 seals or so. I think that's fair. But if McCarthy, even he, even if he gets, let's say 500 plate appearances, which I think is reasonable, he could steal 35 with that. How many steals did he have this past year? I think he, already, let's see. Jake McCarthy. He had, 23 in 321 plate appearances. So, yeah, you definitely could get up to like 30, 35 with double-digit home runs, solid average. He always hit for a pretty decent average in the minor league. So, I think 270-plus, 10-plus home runs, 30-plus steals, definitely in the cards. But we'll see how much playing time he gets. I think he's ahead in terms of the depth chart. I think, obviously, Carroll will get his time. Virgil gets his time. But I think he's ahead of Thomas and everyone else on the depth chart. I think they want to get Thomas some time back at AAA to see have him get right he kind of was very underwhelming i still believe in thomas absolutely by low wherever possible but i think he's ahead at least for 2023 purposes on that depth chart so i guess i feel a little you know a little better about his potential playing time but yeah kwan is safer so if you want safety there definitely go kwan but if you want bank on that stolen base upside from mccarthy and i think it's a much better hitter than obviously badu or or Miles Strauss, I feel a little bit safer taking that plunge than I did would have last year. Even though I did take that plunge in Badu, not so much Straw, but on Badu, I had a couple of shares off that bit me, but I feel a little bit safer this time this year than I did on Badu last year. So 
it's that's my two cents there. But yeah, two very uh, fun players going in around pick 150 or so. But that is going to wrap us up for this episode. Thanks to everyone for tuning in again. We hope you enjoyed it. You can follow us on Twitter, Chris at Roto Clegg. I am at Eric Cross04. And our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. And check out all of our written work at Fantrax HQ or over on our Patreon, of course. And join us again next time for some AFL live looks. But until then, everyone take care. Yeah.